Hello, welcome back to the Workers Podcast. My name is Josiah, and our mission here is to help you live your life hope-filled. We're going to be hearing a message today from our lead pastor at Harvest Church, Brad Leroy, and he's going to be wrapping up our What Now series, and he's talking about a love that always wins. At the end of the message, I will come back up and kind of give a recap of the series and give us some practical application on how do we live this out in our everyday life. So let's check out the message. And good morning, Harvest. Great to have you here this morning joining with us in worship, whether you're here in the room, whether you're joining us online. We're glad that you're here. This is week number four in a series that we've called What Now? Because we understand something. We understand that we're living through at a very unprecedented time in history. At least for us, we've never lived through something like this before. And so we've been asking the question all month long, what now? What now? What does this mean for us? What does this mean specifically for us as a church? Where do we go from here? What does this all mean? And to get some help here this morning, to help us articulate what's going on in our world, I'm going to turn to somebody else, a person named Blake, to help us understand and process exactly what's happening in our world right now. you felt that way just a little bit i mean a little bit guys guys the ice cream trucks shut down <laughs> the water park shut down mcdonald's come on it's not been good anything anything that's open is nothing right we've all felt this way and so we've been trying to process this moment that we're living through and this morning today's message is probably the most important in all the weeks that we've been talking about because today we're going to get to the heart 
of everything that we've been talking about in this series called What Now? If you've been with us, just to recap, week number one, we talked about things that don't change in a world that has. Things that don't change in a world that has. There are some things that we can lock into that have not changed. In week number two, we talked about, for us as a church, we're still going to be about loving our community. And we've been doing that this month again. You've been doing this through this whole time. We're going to be loving our community. Last week, we talked about what it means to love our church. What does it mean to love one another together? And today, today really gets to the heart of all of it. Today, if we don't do what we're going to talk about this morning, none of it's going to matter. Everything else is going to come off the rails. It won't even matter if we don't understand the truth that Jesus gives to us today in week number four of this series. I want to take you to a passage of scripture in two verses in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And here, Jesus says these words. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. New command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you are to love other people. If you do that, people will know you are my disciples and just might want to become a disciple themselves. The first thing I want to talk about this morning from these two verses, Jesus' words in John chapter 13 is this. Jesus leads into this by saying, this is a new command I'm giving you. This is a new command I'm giving to you to love one another. But here's what we've got to understand this morning. We've got to understand that these words are not new. These words have been around for some time. In fact, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, if you go all the way back to the law, if you go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you hear God saying these words, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So what in the world does Jesus mean by this being a new command? He just said this was a new command to love one another. I just told you that these words from God have been around for some time. This is what Jesus means when he says this is a new command. He means what used to be no longer is. What used to be new and fresh and alive and active has gone cold, it's gotten old, it's gotten stale, it's gotten musty. It's no longer what it used to be. This command was not new words. It was not something they had not heard before. But this idea of loving one another had began to drift in their lives. They no longer were practicing this. They were no longer living this out. If you fast forward to some words from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says this. He says, For we, the church, are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved, coming into the church, and those who are perishing. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, those we've been called to reach. 
This morning, Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying this, church, you are giving off a fragrance. You are giving off a smell. You are supposed to be the pleasing aroma of Christ in this world. And so I want to stop and I want to ask a question to you today. I want to ask a question to myself today because it begs this question. How do you smell right now? How do you smell right now? Don't look at your neighbor, don't look at your husband, don't look at your wife. How do you smell right now? Would these words of Paul, being a pleasing aroma of Christ, be true in your life? Would it be true that you are living out this command of God, of Christ, to love one another? Maybe you're thinking this morning, I can't smell anything. I've been living behind a mask for weeks and months now. I can't smell anything. I can't smell anything. Anybody, I want to ask you, anybody during this whole time of quarantine, anybody just kind of get up one day after another, you didn't have anywhere to go, especially early on, and you're like, you know what, I'm just not going to shower today. I'm just not going to shower today. Why? I'm just going to be home. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had, did anybody have a, a kid or a teenager kind of kind of go ahead and do that and not shower for like a week, and you're like, over time, as the days and the week went on, you're like, what in the world is that smell in the house? And you had to go, have you showered? Have you showered since Monday? It's Friday. Like, no, I wasn't going anywhere. I haven't. And all of a sudden, this aroma, (laughs) and it wasn't pleasing, started to drift into your house. And you started to sense and smell something you didn't notice before. See, here's the thing when it comes to the new command and loving one another and being a pleasing aroma to Christ. When we begin to let love drift, it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, what normally happens is is it begins to just kind of drift slowly over time. One day leads to a next. What used to be fresh and alive and new no longer is. You used to practice these things in your life. You used to be on fire for Jesus. You used to know what it means to love other people, but all of a sudden it just began to drift. And let's just be honest here this morning. This has not been the easiest time to love, right? This has not been the easiest time to love other people. We've been discouraged. We've been down. We've been depressed. We've been wondering what in the world's going on in our world. We haven't wanted to do much loving right now. So think back to the beginning of this whole situation and pandemic we've been in and think about where you were and think about where you are now. And Just ask yourself, have things begun to drift? Have things begun to smell when it comes to love? Jesus' love in your life, in your ability to love other people. See, here's what I want us to know today about this, about this apparently new command. This is something that had never changed on God's agenda. It's true in the Old Testament. It was true back then. It was true for Jesus. It was true for Paul. It's true for us. We are to be people of love. We are to be people who know how to love one another. And we are supposed to be doing that. That's what we're called to do. And you're thinking, maybe, Pastor Brad, don't we get kind of a mulligan? Don't we get kind of a pass right now? Don't you know how difficult life has been? Surely Jesus doesn't mean we need to love other people right now, right? Let's wait until we get through this. Let's wait till we get to the other side. Then we can talk about love. See, Jesus comes along and says, you are to love. You are to be my expression of love in our world. And my fear today for the church, my fear for even our church, is that love is, begin, has, is beginning to drift. It's beginning to drift. 
Have you listened and learned and seen communication among believers? I don't just mean at Harvest. I mean in general, but I certainly don't exclude us. Have you seen some of the conversations going on right now among believers, among people who claim to know Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I'm starting to become very concerned about the church in the middle of all of this, that we're beginning to drift. We're beginning to not understand what it means to love others. See, Jesus comes along in these two verses. He says, new command, love one another. That had not changed. That was always supposed to be the way it is. That's true yesterday. It's true today. It's true tomorrow. Regardless of the circumstances we're in, that is true. But then Jesus comes along in these verses, and he presents this whole idea in a new way, in a whole new way that maybe they had not heard before. He comes to them and he says this, As I have loved you, you, are, you must love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Now the believers who were listening to Jesus talk, they had heard all of this conversation about loving your neighbor as yourself. That was not a new idea. That was not a new concept. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus actually says that himself. He actually quotes Leviticus chapter 19. He says, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. But right here in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus comes and he ups the ante. And he comes and he says, you're not just supposed to love each other like your neighbor. You're not just supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You are supposed to love others as I have loved you. And church this morning, that is, is not the same thing. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing to say you are to love your neighbor as yourself as it is to say you are to love other people as Jesus has loved you. Some people, and it's heartbreaking, would say right now, I don't even really love myself. How am I supposed to love other people? The love we have for ourselves pales in comparison to the love that Jesus had for us. Do we see, do we understand the difference between the two? If we don't, let me take a moment and just quickly remind us of how Jesus loved us. Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, chooses to come to this earth to walk among us this frail and flawed people who chastised him, who disregarded him, who would not listen to him, who spit on him, who eventually crucify him for crimes and sins he never committed so that we can have life now and forever. This is the way Jesus loved us. And then he comes to us and he says, as I have loved you, you are to love other people. Do you catch the weight of the difference between the two? Oh, church, listen, you're going to let yourself off the hook if it's just about loving your neighbor as yourself. It'll be like, ah, I don't need to worry about that person. I don't need to love them at that level if I'm just loving them as myself. But when I begin to factor in that I am to love other people as Jesus loved me, that changes everything. 
that standard is a whole different realm of responsibility and leadership and, and obedience to God. And if that was not enough, two chapters later, Jesus says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He's saying, I laid down my life for you so that you could have life. Now I'm asking you to love others in the same way. I'm asking, are you willing to lay down your life for someone else? Because that's the level of love. That's the level of love we're called to. But here's the deal this morning. I know many people, I know many believers, I know many Christians who are beginning to look even at one another and say, you know what, I don't really like people right now. I really don't like people right now. Did you see what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what they said? I'm really having a hard time with people right now. And I want to be honest with you. I've started to struggle with this. I've started to struggle as we've looked across and seen, especially even believers, with some of the things they say and some of the things they do and some of the ways they act and react. I'm like, that doesn't even come close to what it means to loving like Jesus. And then the moment I have that thought, then I become critical of myself and I say, how dare I? I'm now not loving other people the way Jesus loved me. And there's not a lot of love going on around. There's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of harshness that's happening, but there's not as much love. See, I'm trying in my own life to get down to the root of all of this and say, Jesus, if you love me this much, the fact that you would come, and if I was the only person that ever existed on this planet, you would have come and you would have died for me. How can I then not go out and look at other people in the same way and love them in the same way you loved me? That's the challenge that's happening. Everything else falls apart the moment we don't do that. So let me ask you this morning, how are you doing, how are you doing today when it comes to love? Have you found yourself tearing down others more than loving others? Have you found yourself being more critical of other people? Or have you been that person of compassion, of care, of love? How are you doing right now when it comes to loving others like Jesus? Why is it that we struggle so much to love others? Why is this such a struggle? See, I know this right now. I know there are some people right now who are so angry with other people. They are so angry with uh, reactions and the way people are, are, are commenting and the way people are living their life and what they're doing and what they're not doing. I know people are so critical and angry even of, of church leadership and me personally and choices that we make and things that we're going to do and not do that all of a sudden love is getting lost. And I find myself reacting the same way and getting frustrated with other people. In the middle of it all, I know we're losing the battle for what matters the most. Last week in the series, in the week on loving our church, one of the things we talked about was what it meant to forgive and 
give and receive forgiveness, and we challenge people to break bread with other people. To go to someone that you have an issue with and a problem with, that you know there's division, there's not a lot of love happening, and go to that person and extend forgiveness and offer reconciliation and break bread with them. So I want to ask you right now, how did that go for you? How did that go? Were you able to do that? Were you following in obedience to whatever God was speaking to you on in that moment? If you haven't yet to do that, I would just encourage you, it's never too late. You can continue. You can, it's never too late to offer reconciliation to someone else. And see, that once you've reconciled with someone else, that's when we get to do what Jesus said. And that's when we get to move into, as I have loved you, so you should love someone else. This is how this all begins to work. See, I'm asking myself right now, would I sacrifice everything of who I am for someone else? Would I sacrifice even my very life? That's how Jesus loved me. Would I do that for someone else? The honest answer is, I do it for some people, but right now I'm struggling with others. And that's why today I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. I'm asking God to do something in my life as I'm asking him to do something in your life and to do something in our church's life where love would rule the day and where we would love like that. This is what we are called to do. Now here's the deal this morning. If we take what has been worn out, this love that has gone stale, and we're looking with God's help to make it fresh again, if we're willing to love like Jesus, this is what the result will be. This is what Jesus said, verse 35. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We talked about in this series about loving our community. We can do all kinds of practical things to love other people. But if our motivation isn't love, it comes undone. We can do all kinds of amazing things in his name, but if it doesn't come with his love, then what's the point? And if we do all of these things in his name and with his love, other people are going to see that we are his disciples, and they too just might become a disciple of his. This is how it works. And the opposite is also true. If we go out and do all kinds of wonderful things in his name and we don't do it with his love, they're going to look at us and say, I don't want to have anything to do with those people. That's not love. The world understands love better than that. How do we love one another the way Jesus loves us? You see, in the end today, at the end of this series, here's what I want us to understand. I want us to understand that love always wins. Love always wins. But not in the way the world would define love, in the way that Jesus does. If we love like Jesus loved us, and we love other people that way, love will always win. Love will always win. Right now, we're being told that, we, that if we win the argument that we've won the day, that if we choose the right side in whatever particular issue is going on right now, we will have won. If we side with the majority of the, the people who think one way, then we will have won. I want to tell you, that is the recipe for losing. That is the rep recipe for not winning. We can do all of those things and still not win. And when we love like Jesus loved, 
Others are going to make us feel like we've lost. They're going to make us feel like we've, uh, there's nothing to be gained by loving like Jesus loved, but in the end, we will discover all that he wants to do in and through our lives. And I want you to hear me today, church. I want you to hear me with everything in my heart, everything in my being. I want you to win. I want you personally to win. I want your family to win. I want us to win as a church. I want you to experience everything that God has for you, and there's no other path. There's no other way but to love like he has loved us. If you want to get through this time and this crisis for however long it will go on for, the only way to do that is to give yourself away in love for other people. It's what Jesus did. It's what he modeled. It's what he called us to do. There is no other way. And it begins by seeing other people the way Jesus saw them and realizing, wow, I can't believe it, but Jesus came not only to save me, he came to save that person. He loves that person. He wants that person in eternity with him forever. Maybe it's a fellow believer. Maybe it's a non-believer. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody here at church. But when you begin to recognize this, the response can only be, I am going to love like Jesus loved. I'm going to love the way he loved me. Now, I know part of the problem and part of the tension that's going on right now is that we're living in this moment of time and we're it's this little slice of eternity and history, and we're making it to be this huge thing, and we're forgetting something important. We're forgetting that we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. God has given it to us in his word. We know at the end of all things, Jesus is king. Jesus reigns forever. Those who choose to put their trust in him will be with him forever, reign with him. This is how the story ends. The problem and where we're getting sidetracked is we don't know how this particular chapter of the story is going to end. And therefore, we're making it the story. It's not the story. It's a chapter in the story. And God is still doing some things in this world, and we need to be a part of it as we join with him. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. See how all of this ties together. Over the whole month of July as we've been talking, see how this all works together here from John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Because one of the things we said in this series is this. Things, there are things that have not changed in a world that has. There are things that have not changed in a world that has. And this new command that Jesus has said is not new. Just got old. Just got stale. Just got a little musty. But it never changed. It's always been what it is supposed to have been. We've talked about things like love our church, and we're supposed to be people who know how to love one another. And Jesus said in these verses, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not just like you love your neighbor as yourself. You are to love other people in the church as I have loved you. This is what I've called you to do. We've talked about loving our community. And Jesus says here, if you do this, if you love this way, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That's how love will always win. This is what I'm calling each of us to. This is the commission and the commandment before us. Would we love this way? So I want to ask you a couple questions this morning. A couple questions. Are you loving others like Jesus loved you? Just be honest with yourself right now. It's just between you and God. 
Are you loving others like Jesus loved you? Or has your love begun to go stale? Second thing is, what is God asking you to do so that his love will win in your life? What does God need to do? What do you need to allow him to do in your life so that his love will win in your life? Because Jesus said these words, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this morning, I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for us because I believe this is extremely important for us as believers in July 26, 2020, here at Harvest Church, that we would be people who know how to love because everything is riding on this. We don't have to agree on everything. We just have to agree that we are needing to be people of love. So I want to pray for us right now that we would be that kind of person. Would you pray with me today? Father, we bow in your presence. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, first and foremost, we thank you that you came and that you loved us enough to give your life on a cross, die for us, so that we can have life now and forever. And Lord, you know what a difficult time and season this has been for everybody. And Lord, you are still calling us to be people of love. You are still calling your church back to be people of love. You are still wanting to use the church and the believers who are a part of the church in the lives of other people that they might come to know you. This is what we are called to do. This is who we are called to be. So God, I pray right now that as we bring this message and this service to a close, Lord, I pray you would help us to be people of love. If there is someone in our life that we know we need to reconcile with, maybe even a fellow believer, maybe even someone here at Harvest, Lord, that we know there's a wedge. We know we've struggled. We know that the enemy has come in and worked his way uh, into this relationship. I pray we would do whatever you're asking us to do to bring reconciliation to that relationship. Lord, you loved us. We are to love others. And we pray that you would help us to do that. And it's only in the power of your mighty name that we even have a chance at loving like that. So help us, Lord, to be those kinds of people. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a great message from Pastor Brad. Such a great reminder that it's not a new commandment, but sometimes that commandment to love our neighbor as ourself, to love God and to love people can sometimes grow stale. And that just happens. We go through seasons where doing that is easier, and some seasons where doing that is harder. And so we need to have God do a fresh work in our heart each time that happens, every time we go through that season. And so I want to give us some practical how-tos. How do we live this out? How do we have compassion? How do we love our neighbor? And as I was just kind of preparing for this podcast, I read a article, a a um, a blog, I guess, by Dallas Willard. Um, if you are, um, if you if you ever if you're familiar with Christianity and familiar with spiritual formation, that kind of talk, and have read books, he's uh, author, philosopher, 
um, the popular books called The Spirit of the Disciplines, um, Renovation of the Heart, a lot of different um, books that are just super formative, informative for my life, and found this um, found this blog post that he did before he's he's passed on to glory now, but he wrote this pot this uh, this article called How to Love Your Neighbor as Yourself, and that's what this series has been. How do we love um, our neighbor as ourselves? How do we love our church? How do we love our community? And so. I found this very helpful. He goes through four different um, practical how-tos. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? And I'm going to put the actual article uh, link to that in the show notes, but I just kind of want to go through the big the big ideas uh, from that. And so he gives us four practical steps. The first major step in becoming one of those who love their neighbors as themselves is to decide to live compassion to decide to live compassion. At the beginning of the series, Pastor Brad talked about um, the work that the where we get our church's names, the Harvest Church, those workers in the harvest, that Jesus saw the people. Jesus saw the people and he had compassion on them. And so to decide to live compassion. Uh, I have a friend named Jonathan. If he's listening to this, hey, Jonathan. He just started... Uh, running more seriously, he's a bit, he's a pretty fit guy, but he just started running more seriously, and he had to change his mindset from, for me, um, and for him, that running was a punishment. Running was a chore. It's just something you get through to get to the goal. But he decided that he was going to become a runner, and so he's just started saying, "I, I am a runner. I'm going to do things that runners do," and so rather than I'm going to so out of that identity shift from I am not a runner to I am a runner, then out of that he was able to kind of figure out, hey, because runners do this, I'm going to do this. And so out of that his decisions have been like, okay, runners eat this, runners don't eat this. Runners get up in the morning and train. People that aren't runners won't get up and do that. And so... Just like that, we have to choose that I'm going to be compassionate. It's not, I'm going to look for things. It's like, I'm just at the core of my being, I'm going to choose to be compassionate today, that I'm going to live compassion. Dallas talks about that verse in Matthew six thirty three that we choose to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to us. This is a part of that seeking thing, that I'm going to choose to seek out opportunities to show compassion because I desire to be compassionate. So the first major step is to decide to live compassion. The second step is the decision to have compassion upon those closest to us wherever we are whether we're at home, work, school, in your neighborhood. And so I love that. Um, He's like, start with the people closest to you. Often, especially we have these grandiose ideas that, like, I'm going to have compassion. And so I'm going to, we often think of, like, the farthest person we can. It's like, I want to have compassion, so I'm going to go to Africa. Where Jesus, if you go back to the Great Commission, he actually, like, starts start in your neighborhood and then from there you move on out and so i love that dallas says start with the people closest to you wherever you're at whether you're at home 
you're at work, school, your neighborhood. Basically, wherever your feet are, start having compassion on those people around you. So if you are in the Starbucks line and they're, it's taking forever and you're kind of late to work, which if you're late to work and you're in the Starbucks line, you are already late. That's just my um, tidbit for you there. But if you're if they got your drink wrong, don't don't be mad about it. Don't be mean. Just hey, understand that these people could be having a bad day too. Um, just so just start with the people that are closest to you. It's pretty simple. Step three is actually list out the few people you are. He says intimately engaged with in life. So if you have a family. Start with them. If you have a wife and kids, write down their names. S- start with those people that are very close to you, um, whether in relationship or just actually physically. So the next step could be the neighbors who lives to your left or right or above you if you're in an apartment. Go list out the people that you work with, the people that you share office space with, people that are in the cubicle next to you, people you work outside with. Start Then go from there to maybe people in your church, maybe people in your small group. And then from that, so like start with your inner ring. I always like to think of in community, Jesus modeled this. He has the three disciples that are close to him, Peter, James, and John. And then he has the 12. And then if you look in the scriptures, there's, there's a gr- bigger group than that. There's like 70 of them. And then from that, there's the crowd. And so we can see that Jesus modeled people that he engaged with more intentionally. He started small, and then it got bigger from there. So actually draw this out. Like draw your family in a circle. Then around that, draw your neighbors. Draw your workplace. Who do you work with? Draw your church. Draw your co- the greater community around you. So just do that. That's a simple exercise. Then number four, engage in the spiritual disciplines that enable you to operate from a constant fullness of grace. We cannot be compassionate people on our own. I don't know about you, but I know me that I am not always compassionate. I am not always loving. Oftentimes that can be very selfish, and so if I lean into my own strength, I cannot live the way that Jesus lived. And so to do that, I have to operate from a constant fullness of grace. And I can only do that in Jesus talks about that he is the vine. If we abide in him, he will abide in us. And only when we figure out how we abide, that we actually can operate out of his grace out of his love, out of his compassion. And so how do we do that? Well, you got to spend time with him. you got to, abiding is spending time with Jesus. So what are ways we can do that? Well, Bible reading. Pick up the Bible off, off your bookshelf. Dust it off. Pick up your phone. The YouVersion Bible app's a great thing. There's so many different ways that we can get into God's word and it's accessible It's just so accessible right now, but we often overlook it. So Bible reading, prayer. We've talked about prayer before, and 
I'm excited in a couple couple months at our church, we're actually going to dive into a series more intentionally on prayer. Another way you can engage with God is Sabbath, rest. We're not supposed to live 24-7. So actually taking time to unplug and to allow God to strengthen us again, that we would live out of his strength, not our own. We'd lean on him. So it's practicing those spiritual disciplines. Those are the things that help us abide in Jesus, abide in the vine, that we would be people that could bear fruit, the fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We can't always be those things. Some of us can lean into those things with our personality. You might be... You might tend to be a more patient person, but you can't always be patient, especially the people that are closest to you. And Dallas talks about this in the article that I'm sharing, that actually the people that are closest to us are sometimes the people we hurt the most, and you might have experienced a lot of hurt. And so even in those instances with the people that love us the most, we often have to lean into Jesus's compassion for them even more because we know them so well. And so I hope those are helpful thoughts. I thought they were super practical. I just want to go over them again. One, you have to decide to live compassion. You have to be a compassionate person. So two, the decision to have compassion, you have to decide. And those people, you can start right with the people that are around you. Number three is just a practical thing. Go ahead and just write out the people that are close to you in your life. And start praying about that and leaning into Jesus' compassion for you and for them. And number four, you got to engage with the spiritual disciplines. That is how we engage with God. That's how we engage with his spirit. And we need to abide in him if we want to live a life of compassion. So I hope that is helpful for you. Again, if you want to read more about that, uh, I put the, the link in the show notes so you can dive more into that topic there. Super helpful. And yeah, let me just pray for you and me that we would that we would have Jesus' help, his hope and help to, to do this. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for whoever's listening to this at whatever time, whatever season they are in their life. God, we thank you that that you refresh us, that you invite us into life with you. God, we choose to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our life, and we trust that when we do that, all the other things will be added to us. God, we want to be people of compassion. We want to be people of love, that when we live this way, when we love our neighbors as ourselves that when we love one another as you have loved us, God, then people would see you. They wouldn't see us, but they would see you in us. And God, that is what our world needs. So Jesus, we pray that you would help us abide in you. You would help us to lean into you, into your presence, that you are with us, God. We thank you. And we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to work.